Hello everyone and welcome back to We Talk Football. I know last week I said that this is going to be our last one for a little while, but I forgot about the one after the Super Bowl. So this one should be our last one for a little while. Uh, I'm Lance Leach. And I'm Briar Wagner. Glad we finally got to that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, make sure that you go like our Facebook page, um, follow us on Twitter. That'll be the easiest way to keep up with anything else that we put out. You can also find all our podcasts that we've done for this season on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search uh, We Talk Football and you'll see us. And uh, let's uh, let's review the Super Bowl. All right. You want to start us out or do you want me to? That's all you. All right. Well, if you paid attention, Denver beat Carolina 24-10. to 10. Um, Such a beautiful game. It really was. I'm very happy for Peyton. Um, but I was... Right. I, when I said turnovers were going to decide this game, I was wrong, however, when I said Carolina's turnovers were going to help decide the game, <laughs> that Carolina causing turnovers was, was going to decide the game. Um, ended up being Denver, who got the key turnovers, and Von Miller's strip sack on Newton that led to a recovered fumble in the end zone for Denver was what helped set the tone for the Broncos, and they never looked back. It really did. I was, <clears throat> I was really surprised at how that game kind of turned out. I was expecting, you know... The Panthers to be playing like they did, you know, the whole playoffs. They won both of their games by, I think, what, 30-some-odd points, both in uh, the division and the conference, mm. and then they come into this game and flop like they did. That's the only way I could explain it is they flopped. Yeah. I even had uh, my buddy who's a Panthers fan text me and said that it, it seemed like they spent the entire time leading up to the Super Bowl goofing off and... It caught him. Well, I think that's what me and you talked about because we watched the game, you know, together. And I was saying that this this is probably going to prove to uh, bite Carolina in the ass. They haven't been taking it serious at all. And look what happened. I mean, I've seen multiple reports that um, Carolina players on during pre-game, pre-game warm-ups were sitting there running their mouths and jaw-jacking the whole time. Broncos players didn't, didn't return a single word. They kept doing what they had to do. They were focused and... Um, well, you saw what happened. Um, I certainly didn't expect the game to turn out like it did, but then again, I can't say I'm too surprised. Yeah, they, to. they were completely unfocused. By halftime, it looked like they all but gave up because they had a couple of the drives get onto the other side of the 50 and um, either stall out, um, get sacked you know, out of field goal range, or turn the ball over. The this, I think it was the second fumble of Newton's. Um, if you watched it, they asked him about it after the game. It was the one where it fell kind of by his feet, and mm-hmm. instead of diving for it, he kind of jumped back. And he said that it was because of the way his legs were. It was awkward, an awkward position for him. But if you watch it, he took two steps towards the ball and then jumped back. Anybody knows that if a ball's on the ground, you're diving for the ball. You're not running towards it with your feet. You're going to move forward with your upper body where you can put your hands on the ball. So I'd have to agree with what the Broncos were saying, where it did seem almost like he just kind of gave up and stopped playing. And it seemed like they had been playing. I think they got a real reality check that um, they can't just bowl over the seam. Broncos were playing with a chip on their shoulder. All Super Bowl week, they're hearing about how the Panthers were going to go in and just dab all over them. Newton was going to dance in the end zone a few times, and there was going to be nothing they could do to stop them. Newton didn't get in the end zone at all. Uh, Jonathan Stewart John did. got a beautiful... Uh, the the short guy can jump. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was pretty. Um, and I have to say, I really liked how Peyton handled, handled the ending 
with when they, they were asking him, are you going to retire? And he made it clear that this wasn't about him. This is about the team, and he'll make the decision at a later time. I would have liked to have seen him gone out on that stage. So, like, if he, if he had played vintage Manning, gotten the Super Bowl MVP, which, you know, Von Miller did, which he wholeheartedly deserves. I won't Absolutely. disagree with that at all. But I think had, you know, he played, you know, maybe put up four, three touchdowns, you know, no turnovers, 300-some-odd yards, gotten the MVP, I think he could have maybe been like, yep, and this is it, I'm done after this. But, wow. you know, it was good, good on him, you know, as he's been the last 18 years, uh, a team player. Not He didn't want a spotlight at all. He knew they were, the questions were going to be there. I'm sure we'll probably see a press conference here in a couple weeks, you know, let him drink his Budweiser like he wanted to, yeah. kiss his on, wife, on kiss Vaughn. his kids. Yeah, um, you know, Vaughn's paying. I'm sure that tab's going to be great. Um, we'll we'll see in a few weeks here. I I wouldn't let it get. I don't think it'll get to free agency before we hear that he retires. Yeah. Um, which leads us into our congratulations, and the only congratulations we have for the week is to Denver, Peyton, Vaughn, um, all of them. <laughs> Denver, yeah, the whole team. Denver for winning the Super Bowl. Congratulations, uh, Peyton. For getting his second ring and breaking another yet another record, another for, couple records. <laughs> uh, the big one though, his 200th uh, yep. career victory, playoffs and regular season included, breaking or officially passing Brett Favre, and then Von Miller for winning Super Bowl MVP and playing his heart out. When was the last time a defensive player won MVP? A couple years ago with Seattle, Malcolm Smith. But prior to that, not since 2002. <laughs> was a great game. Yes, it was. Um, any more congratulations, or can we move into facts and opinions? Facts and opinions, and I'll take it. I've got uh, pick 28, Chelsea, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, the Chiefs, as you all know, they were my, I'm pretty sure, they were my Super Bowl, at least making it to the Super Bowl. I can't remember if they were my favorite or not. Um, the, I was disappointed with them, especially with how the Patriots game ended. We talked about it, and I know it's still... Still playing to me because I, I like Andy Reid and um, I was listening today to uh, one show talking about how this has been Andy Reid his entire career where you look at the last five six minutes of a game that they're down by maybe a touchdown or multiple scores you know still feasible enough to come back and he's uh, throughout his career I guess horrible horrible clock management on his part can't blame the players you know players are taking the calls and from him and just horrible clock management. So I think we'll talk about that a little bit later. But looking here to the draft, I have here their top need is uh, offensive line, most importantly, offensive tackle. Um, some other needs, um, wide receiver, you know, get someone else playing with Jeremy Macklin, uh, linebackers, and D-line. I have linebacker and D-line up here, mostly because uh, the Chiefs have 15 free agents that are coming up. Uh, notably, Eric Berry, uh, Tom Bahali, Derek Johnson, Sean Smith, Jeff Allen, and Jave Howard. There's some pretty big names that are up there on the docket for them to re-sign. They're not going to be able to re-sign anyone, or not anyone, everyone. They're actually in pretty good cap space, so they should be able to either make a huge play and re-sign or make, bring in who they want and make some other play here in free agency. Um, but I think that'll dictate with how they uh, decide they want to draft. I'm gonna say O line is their biggest, um, the biggest thing they need to strengthen, especially with Jamal Charles coming back, hopefully coming back healthier. Um, they can bolster this line. I think defense isn't the problem with this team; it's offense. Um, they have 
some of the right keys in place. They need to uh, get someone to anchor that line, and they need possibly some more weapons on the outside for either Alex Smith or maybe they go for another quarterback. I don't think they will. I'm pretty sure I read that their owner thinks he's a great quarterback. They shouldn't be going for anyone anytime soon. Um, I like Ronnie Stanley here from Notre Dame. Um, he would just need to work on his strength a bit if he wants to compete against top talents against in the NFL. He struggled with uh, Shaq um, Lawson um, at Clemson. Um, another possible is uh, Cody Whitehair, Kansas State. He played left tackle, but he's built to be an offensive guard. That would be huge for Jamal Charles. Um, you know, someone big guard, you know, bulldozing people down, getting to that second level. Um, should they go look at the strength in the wide receivers, you know, give someone opposite Jeremy Macklin, who'll go a huge way. Tyler Boyd of Pitt, 91 receptions, 926 yards. Uh, he also had uh, six touchdowns, 40 rushes, 349 yards. Uh, he missed the season opener um, because of a DUI arrest during the offseason. So there might be some judgment issues there with him. Or Corey Coleman, uh, Baylor, 74 receptions, 1,363 yards and 20 touchdowns. Get another burner on the outside. They're going to have to, you know, ah, opposing defenses, you know, pick their poison. Who are they going to cover, Jeremy Macklin or Coleman? Could be a nice uh, double threat there. So that's what I got there for Kansas City. All right, so I decided to go with Carolina, who will be picking 30th. Remember, New England doesn't have a first-round pick because of the whole um, deflate gate. So it puts Carolina at 30 and Denver at 31. Um, so I went with Carolina. And like I said when I did the article that had the Colts in it, and it talked about how they decided to draft the best available player, which I think hurt them this last season. They took uh, wide receiver Philip Dorsett out of Miami when they needed offensive line help, and they didn't address it. And obviously it killed him. Look at what luck, what happened to Luck. Look at what happened to Hasselbeck when he was in. So I think drafting best player available is a mistake. You need to draft best player available at a position of need. And when you got teams like Carolina, who you're going to hear analysts say, oh, they're a well-rounded team, they don't have a need, they can draft whoever they want, the second you start believing that is the second you sign your team's death certificate. Because a couple years down the road when you got those veterans that are retiring, and all those young stars that you drafted who are now wanting big contracts so you can't sign all of them, your team's going to fall apart and you're going to be sitting at the bottom of the league. So you need to keep up with it. So the way I see it is Carolina has to address the running back, offensive line, and their defensive backfield. There are potential areas that they could address in the first round at least. They have more for later on. Um, at running back, there's Derrick Henry and Ezekiel Elliott. The two that could go first round. Uh, Derrick Henry out of Alabama, six foot three, two hundred forty-two pounds. He was the Heisman Trophy winner. He ran for two thousand sixty-one yards and twenty-five touchdowns in the regular season, not including his national championship game. Uh, and he's fast for a big guy. If you watch him play, it, it's it's fun watching him play because he'll run you over and then he'll burn past everyone else. It's it's entertaining. He is a big man. I don't know if you saw the picture of uh, Mark Ingram. Standing next to him, Ingram. I went did. To the yes, I did. Ingram, Ingram's not a small guy. He's you know stocky, but he is dwarfed by this man. Yes. Is, well, I mean, when a... you're standing at height with your offensive lineman at a running back position, it says something. Um, and then Ezekiel Elliott, six foot two twenty five. I'm pretty sure he's had back to back eighteen hundred yard seasons, but he's considered the complete back. He can catch it out of the backfield. He can run block. 
or I'm sorry, pass block. Um, he's that guy that that everyone's predicting to go ahead of Henry because he gives you all the options. Um, he ran for 1,800 yards, 23 touchdowns. He had 27 catches for 206 yards, which might not sound great, but Ohio State was a predominantly running team, so 206 yards was actually pretty good. Um, so those are the two running two running back options. If one of them's sitting there, I'm not even sure that one of them would be sitting there with how big of a need some of these teams have at running back. Offensive line. Uh, at tackle, you have Taylor Decker, who pans out as a right tackle. He's a big physical run blocker, which is perfect for Carolina's offense. I mean, six foot seven, 315 pounds, just a big guy uh, that they could plug in at right tackle. Uh, if they wanted to, they could plug him in at right tackle, hope that Michael Orr can hang on for another season at left, and then try to like teach him how to better pass block so they can move him over. I mean, that's an, always an option. Uh, and then on offensive guard, you mentioned Cody Whitehair. Um, I also like Landon Turner, who's out of North Carolina. We know Carolina does like their homegrown boys. Um, and I, I personally like Turner. I don't know exactly what happened this season. I'll have to continue to catch up on some of these players. But he was the number one guard going into the season. Um, so I want to know why he's fallen below white hair. But I like Turner. And then uh, defensive back, you got cornerbacks are very top heavy. There's not going to be very many options when you get into the later rounds. So you, you're going to want to strike early on these guys. But for Carolina, with where they're sitting at, I think they have uh, Eli Apple out of Ohio State, who's six foot one, two hundred pounds. He may not even be there. His stock is already starting to rise because he's a long, athletic cornerback. He's the exact prototype that people are or that uh, teams are looking for nowadays. Uh, he had thirty-three tackles, two for loss, and a pick. Nothing insanely, uh, nothing insanely, you know, incredible or anything like that. But he's an athletic and tall guy and that's what people want uh the other option that i see with where they're selecting is william jackson the third out of houston um he's projected as a second maybe even a third rounder but his height same with eli apple he's six foot one 195 pounds he was tall and productive in college um he had 43 tackles five picks I think that the reason why he's considered lower is because he played at Houston, not a big school. He didn't play against major talent. Um, but I still think he should be recognized because Houston still played some some decent schools. You know, They played like Memphis and um, Navy and stuff like that. So it's not like they didn't play. They played a bunch of FCS schools. Um, yeah, so he could be considered. But if I'm Carolina and I'm drafting for them, you got to look at what Jonathan Stewart did this year. He deserves far more credit for what this offense did than what he's getting because this team went from having Kelvin Benjamin as a breakout rookie receiver with uh, Newton throwing him the ball, Greg Olson's huge season two years ago. They went 7-8-1. and one. Then this season, Kelvin Benjamin goes down before the season even starts, but Jonathan Stewart stays healthy the whole year, and they go 15-1. and one. It's not a coincidence. Look at what Jonathan Stewart did. He he pulled the pressure off of the passing game. He forced teams to account for two guys who can run out of the backfield, plus Cam Newton with his throwing. So he brought in everything. And we all know that Jonathan Stewart has a history of injuries. So finding somebody who can consistently be in that backfield, creating that kind of a problem for a defense is priority number one. So running back is where Carolina has to go. Um, so headlines? 
Headlines. <clears throat> you I, have one? I mean, the only headlines I could see is, you know, you're following your favorite teams. Some of the uh, the releases that we've seen, <laughs> veterans releasing, some of the retirements we've seen. Uh, we'll talk about one of them here in a minute. Um, I mean, nothing really that stood out. Nothing that was like, oh, man, I didn't see that coming. I just had the one. Uh, the NFL decided to make it a rule where any college player who's had an assault or a weapons charge while in college or I'm assuming prior to college, may not attend the Combine. Um, and that's a pretty big deal. I mean, there's some top-end talent who's had problems. I think uh, with the charges that were brought up against Jameis Winston, this would have uh, excluded him from attending the Combine because when he was in college, he was charged with uh, sexual assault. I don't know how it works. If the charges get dropped, are you still allowed to attend? Or should they not have been brought up in the first place? Like, how exactly does that work? But I don't know. You look in the NFL, even charges get dropped, and players still get suspended for it just because um, shouldn't you know, have allegations that kind of arose, something came up. So, so I could see that sort of thing taking root. Uh, but that brings me into my first question for Q&A. Uh, what do you think of the NFL's new rule on the combine? You know what? I think, I think I'm going to be for it. I know, you know, some players can be like, oh, you know, this is coming out of nowhere. I don't think the NFL is going to put a complete block on it. I think it's going to be something that's gradually brought in. Uh, hopefully, if they're smart, it'll be something that's gradually brought in. But it'll start teaching these younger guys that, hey, you know, your actions off the field could, you know, screw with you on the field. You might not get on because you decided you wanted to either punch out that one guy who looked at you wrong or, you know, something crazier than that. It might start getting these younger players, you know, on the right track. Uh, I I have to – I have half agree with this rule. Um, my dad brought up a good point when he and I were talking about it the other day. We saw it come up on uh, one of the – probably NFL Network, something like that. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, we had this discussion, and he brought up a good point about how – Players who make mistakes, they're, you know, freshman year of college. You're young, you're stupid, you you bring a gun when you shouldn't have brought a gun. But you show over the next two to three years that, hey, I realized that I made a mistake back then. I've straightened up. I haven't done anything stupid since. You're still going to get punished for it. So I think that they should kind of find a way to, you know, find that fine line, you know, that, that happy medium where you can suspend or... Um, what do you suspend, exclude the players who have had more recent trouble and to show that they haven't grown up, they haven't matured because then you're taking the kids who had that, that one mess up way back who don't get a chance to explain themselves to NFL teams. I'm only going to half agree with you on that. I'm going to ask, do you have any violence charges or anything on you? Uh, All the time. All the time. (laughs) I've beaten beaten up a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure you have. No, you know what I'm going with this. So you and I, you know, 20, 23, 24 years old, you know, these are when some of the older players, if they're coming, you know, they decided to finish out college. We've got nothing on on us. So, I mean, I don't want to be like, oh, he made a mistake way back then. You're you're an adult. You you know right from wrong. You shouldn't be making these mistakes anyways. If you're hanging out with the wrong crowd and they're trying to get you to do things that you everyone knows is like, ooh, I shouldn't. I probably shouldn't be doing this. If you have to think, what happens if I got caught? You probably shouldn't be doing it at all. So I'm. Mean, that's just my two cents on it. All right, 
kind of happier news. No, not happier, <coughs> but Megatron, we've heard, you know, reports come out. I don't think it's been f- official yet. Don't think it's final. Um, but we've all heard that Megatron is going to be retiring. Um, apparently, he's talked to the uh, the owners. He's talked to, you know, the coaches, everything. Yeah, he's going to be retiring. And then I saw, what was it, yesterday, the day before, Lynn Swan, you know, everyone likes to talk about, hey, you know, Beast Mode retires, he should, he might not get a bust, and he might get a bust. You know, everyone has these talks. Lynn Swan said, I don't see Megatron making it to the Hall of Fame. So my question to you is, do you think Megatron will make it into the Hall of Fame? Yes, and you know what? I got some stats for you, Lynn Swan. I hope you actually do listen to our podcast. Probably not, but I hope you do. <laughs> um, Lynn Swan, Hall of Famer. His season, or his career yards, 5,462, ranking 222nd out of all-time receivers. His career touchdowns, 51, ranking tied for 108th out of all-time receivers. Calvin, on the other hand, both played nine seasons, by the way. Calvin, on the other hand, has 11,619 yards, ranking 27th, 83 touchdowns, ranking 22nd, and uh, he has Matthew Stafford thrown to him. Matthew Stafford's not going to go into the Hall of Fame, more than likely. I mean, maybe he does, but I doubt he will. He's only had Matthew Stafford thrown to him for four or five years now. And Lynn Swan had, had Terry Bradshaw, Hall of Famer also. So... I mean, you want to bring that up. And then I'll even help you guys see the average of this, right? Calvin averaged out to 1,291 yards a season. Jerry Rice, considered the greatest receiver of all time, played 20 seasons. His average was 1,145 yards. So Calvin's averaged more yards. Touchdowns. Calvin averaged 9.2 touchdowns. You you know, actually doing the full-out mm-hmm. average. Um, and Jerry Rice, 9.85 so, you want to say Calvin doesn't deserve it? Look at the actual stats. He does deserve it. I want to ask, isn't he already in the home? He had that, oh, didn't he break the single season receiving record? He did. He did. I mean, he's already in there, as it is. And he's going to get in as an actual Hall of Famer. He's got a bust up there already. But I'm ag- I agree with you wholly. Well, I'm going to say, I'm going to agree with you. But I like to think Lynn Swan's in because of the different generation he was playing in. Back then, it was running only teams, basically. You only ran the ball. And, you know, this NFL that we play in is you only pass the ball unless you're the few onesies and twosies actually still running it predominantly. <laughs> so, I mean, there's some, just like currency, you've got a, you know, uh, inflation. you got to deal back with that. No, I, I, Megatron definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. To put up the numbers he had with the subpar quarterbacks he's had i mean maybe stafford gets you know gets his act together and starts becoming great but he's not going to be a hall of fame quarterback none of the court you probably couldn't name me any three quarterbacks that's thrown to him i maybe joey harrington but i don't know if they were in the same uh year group uh john kitna possibly but i think kitna might actually been before harrington so no i (laughs) i i got nothing for you uh all right my next question uh, super early Super Bowl Fifty One prediction. Yes. What do you got? Three game, three days out from the big game. Ah. Like I said, you know, on the draft, um, or in doing our little segment, I liked can I liked Kansas City then. I'm gonna like Kansas City even more going into next uh, next year. They're gonna fix their issues on offense. You know, tighten down the screws. Maybe add another piece to their defense, depending on how free agency and re-signing goes. 
their defense is scary. It should only get scarier. Um, I like Kansas City as a AFC favorite. Uh, I know some people won't like that, but you know Kansas City very well could have beaten New England in that game. I'm just saying. For the NFC, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna go with Carolina or Arizona. Arizona's on the cusp. I don't know what happened to them in the NFC Championship, but I do know it's not gonna happen again. They won't let that happen again. Um, they're going to get some uh, weapons on offense, which I think is a big need. They're going to get some key players back on defense, especially uh, Tyron Matthew. You know, huge piece of that defense. Uh, hopefully, we'll, he'll get him back for the entire season. And um, yeah, I'm going to have to say it's between Arizona and Carolina. Can't quite decide one yet this early. Don't know how everything's playing out, but I'm sure we'll have that question again after the draft and so on. Uh, for the NFC, I'm going to have to go with Arizona. Uh, I think that their weakest part was they needed a pass rusher, and I feel that that will be their first priority. That's what they'll go after in free agency in the draft, maybe both. Uh, but they address that. They get Matthew back. I see Arizona making another push for the Super Bowl for the NFC. For the AFC, got a little bit of a surprise there for you. I'm going to take the Jets. Uh, really? I know that they like to you know, let us all down at the very end of the season. Um, even though we pick them multiple, multiple times and then don't pick them when they decide to win. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with the Jets. They, they have the weapons on offense. Fitzpatrick proved that he can play all the way up until that last game. Uh, I hope they hang on to Ivory. Cause there's a lot of keeps... speculation that he's going to Dallas and that Powell's going up with Rex up in, uh, Buffalo. Oh, then they'll need to address the running back position, but I hope they hang on to Ivory because he oh, makes that he that offense so for them. much being, more dangerous. You know that he's a former Saint. I was happy to see that he's been able to thrive there. He's been he's been doing great. And that that defense, I mean, you can't say enough about that defense. That that front the front line, the four of them, just incredible. I I don't know how they managed to stack or you know stockpile that, but I could see the Jets definitely making a run. One last one for Revis. Who knows how much longer they'll hang on to him again. You know, money. <laughs> uh, hopefully they hang on to DeBrickshaw Ferguson also. Try and get him one a ring, you know. Been with the team forever. Uh, yeah, I like the Jets. And you have any dark horse picks for it? Anybody you could see just kind of slipping up and in and surprising everyone? <laughs> you know, everyone might think that, that you know, I'm, oh, I'm just a Saints fan. But I could ease. you can't write off the Saints. If they fixed their issues on defense, they could turn back. I could easily see the 2009 Saints coming out again when they ran the, you know, basically ran the league, went 13 and three. Um, they dropped their final three games, which didn't really matter because they had everything locked up at that point. Um, and they went into the playoffs and just, you know, blew out Arizona, had a nail biter against the Vikings, and then easily discarded Indianapolis, who was the favorites for the Super Bowl. If they fix their defense, they could easily go back to being um, a team to be really afraid of. Um, another dark horse I could see, um, I could see, oh, man, I just had it. I could see the Vikings, you know, getting their act together. Um, Not losing in the final seconds off a missed field goal again. Walsh, I'm talking uh, to you, bud. <laughs> Gary Anderson. Mm. Um, on the AFC, um I'm going to say the Texans. No, 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 no. I'm not even going to say the Texans. I'm going to say the Jags. Jags were so close. They needed a few things going for them. 
Um, they, they're going to get, uh, I can't remember the kid's name. They're going to get him back on defense, you know, the kid they drafted last year. Oh, uh, Fowler. Yep, and they're going to get Fowler back, which is going to be huge for their pass rush. They might get someone on the other side. They fix their uh, pass rush, maybe give uh, get another weapon on offense. They're going to be scary. They're at least going to be able to control the AFC South. I don't know what's going on in Indianapolis. Um, Texans, if they don't address their quarterback situation, they're going to you know, flop again like they always do. But uh, I could see the Jags slipping in there and throwing a wrench in at least everyone's uh, plans. A dark horse for uh, for me, for the AFC, would have to be Oakland. Uh, they already have the oh, weapons on offense. Too, I mean. <laughs> they have the weapons on defense. They need to address their defensive backfield. If they can do that and they can find the right players for it, they could really do some damage, especially if Peyton hangs it up. I don't think Brock Osweiler is ready to lead Denver to the playoffs like like Peyton's done. Uh, I know that Osweiler was in there, but if you look at his stats, it really came down to game management. He played an Alex Smith-type role with 200 yards and a, an average of 200 yards and a touchdown a game. All I'm going to say is it worked for him. Just like you know Peyton Manning, look at his stats this year. They're probably along the same lines. That, that defense, defense completely carried that team. It, and it was. All but, Osweiler has to do is not screw it up. <laughs> but the problem with Super Bowl teams, both the winning and losing side, is you have to pay all the guys that perform. Yeah, that's retention. That that's going to come back. You know, Miller himself has got a contract too. Yep. So that's huge. That's where the problems could lie with them. Kansas City. We we saw whatever that implosion was against the Patriots. I just think that Oakland could slip in and then surprise some teams. They may not win the division, but a wild card slot could allow them to play. You know, uh, upset. And Jacksonville playoffs. and Oakland, I think, are re- they're just on the level. And I know Joel's been waiting for this for yeah. a while. For them, Oakland Raiders to finally get their act together, fix the mess that Al Davis left, you know, left behind. Um, they're finally getting in players that actually work in the system. Another year with them, and they're going to be one of those teams that, for a while, are going to be, you know, oh, they're going to be in the playoffs again this year. There's no doubt about it. The NFC would be the Rams. I think they have one position to address, and all they need is someone who plays an Alex Smith-type role because they have Todd Gurley. Mm -hmm. They need a quarterback, somebody who can just prevent the ball from being turned over and make key plays at key times. Doesn't need to explode. Doesn't need to throw Hail Marys down the field to win games. He just has to keep the ball moving. And they find that quarterback. They find the guy who can do that. That defense is already set. They could be a scary team if they can find a, pl- a player for the quarterback position. The only thing I have to say against the Rams is they play in a really crowded NFC West. They do. If they were in another division, uh, say the East you know, or even the South, they would have a better chance to shine through. But playing in that West, that's not an easy thing to, especially if you know Chip Kelly's able to turn the Niners back around. That we could see a really stacked NFC West again. Yeah, they should have moved to Virginia and told Dallas they're going to the <laughs> NFC West. <laughs> All right, uh, your second question. All right, yep, my last question. I know last week I talked about you know controversial Johnny Menzel, but now we're seeing even more stuff come out about Menzel. Oh, it's terrible. Now I'm seeing stuff about Greg Hardy that Dallas wants doesn't want anything to do with them. Uh, they brought him in to be a huge pass, you know, disruption in the pass game. Uh, he got six sacks in 12 games. You know, he missed the first part of the season with that suspension. Um, yeah, there's talks that, you know, because of his play on the field and his play off the field, getting in players and coaches' faces, smacking the equipment around like it's nothing. I mean, yeah, they make millions of dollars, but 
you're not going to smack around right out of a coach's hand those tablets that they mm. have, you know, just because you're pissed about whatever you're pissed about because you got yelled at because you, you probably did something wrong. Um, question is, will Greg Hardy play on another team this season or ever? Um, Be with everything that comes with them. He should have never played on another team again after the whole assault charges were brought up on him with his uh, girlfriend. Um, I mean, you look at Ray Rice. He punched punched his fiance in the face, video and all, and we haven't seen him brought back into the. He was talented. Yeah, he the, wasn't the, brought back in though. The charges got dropped. You know, public apologies on both sides of it. She made she probably shouldn't have had you know any reason to apologize, but she did. They both apologize. You know, they both are showing a strong unified front. Um, you know, he's. I think he's done counseling and I've done all that stuff. He's still not playing. But then you got Greg Hardy over here who's doing exactly what you said. He's standing on the sidelines yelling at coaches, causing problems in the locker room. Uh, but the problem is you know somebody's going to give Dez him a has shot. got to get in his face. Yeah, exactly. Des, I think, back down because, you know, I, I wouldn't want to go on Greg Hardy. The the problem is though that he is gonna end up getting a shot. That's the fact. Like it, it won't matter. Somebody's gonna look at him and be like, "Oh, he's too talented of a player to just let him sit out there." People, owners, GMs, coaches, you gotta let it go. If somebody's screwing up, don't give them a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chance when they're not showing any reason that they're going to actually try and fix themselves. Make him go do uh, the the counseling. Make him go. Sit out. Basically, give him a timeout, like a child. That's probably what he needed growing up. Probably. Uh, so yeah, no, he shouldn't get another shot, but I think he's going to, and it's a problem. See, I, I think Dallas was his last shot. I don't think there was a lot of interest in him to begin with, mostly because of the suspension. But a lot of the sensible teams don't want to deal with the uh, the negatives that come with him, and I think the negatives completely outweigh any positive he has, especially after the poor season he had this year. He doesn't have much positive left to bring. So I don't I think a lot um all the thirty one other oh, thirty other teams, Carolina's obviously not gonna make a play for him again. Um I think the other thirty teams, they're gonna look at him and be like, No, we don't want to deal with this. We don't want any of the negative stigma that comes with this guy, the negative press. We just don't need it. We don't want it. You'll see what happened with TO and Teo had he didn't have near the problems that Hardy had. You know, he just had the locker room issues, and I think he prematurely was you know kind of forced out of the league because no one wanted to deal with the locker room issues. He has a locker room issue. He's an off the field issue. He's just an issue, and I don't think we'll see him play again. I hope you're right. Uh, that should pretty much sum up everything that we've got to say. Like I said, it'll be a little while before we put out another one. Just keep an eye out for it. Like go like our Facebook page. You'll see updates on it. Um, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for all the support, and uh, we'll talk to you all later. See you next time.